The Very Serious Crafts Podcast is on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash seriouscrafts to support our podcast, find out about our Patreon half-stitched episodes, and more. Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 12, The Very Serious Crafts Podcast. I'm Molly from Wild Olive. And I'm Haley from Red Handled Scissors and the Bones and Bobbins Podcast. Today, we'll be talking about things we didn't know then, but now we know better. Yes, and I'm going to just put this out here right now. I, I don't have a lot prepared for today's episode, but I feel like this is the kind of topic... Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is the kind of topic where once you start talking about it, you discover those things in the midst of the conversation, so... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Before we jump into talking, we want to give a shout-out to our serious friend of the Very Serious Crafts podcast, who is now supporting us on patreon.com slash seriouscrafts. Many thanks to Allison, you're the best. Thank you, Allison, for joining us. Yes, thank you. Ah. <sighs> so... There are lots of things in this world that would have been a lot easier had I just known the little obvious next step uh-huh. to it. Yes. I'm good at making things hard. <laughs> um, or, like, trying to figure out the thing so much on your own and just not getting to the <laughs> the answer. Like, it, yes. the answer is out there, but clearly you didn't have it. No, no. And someone knows it. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is one of the problems with being a professional or being not a beginner at something. It's that you don't always remember what you didn't know because you're coming to any project with a base knowledge that seems obvious to you. Yes. But if you're writing or designing something at beginner level, those are the things that you need to remember in order to be effective. And I think that's just incredibly difficult to do if you yourself aren't a complete beginner to something. Yes. I... I would, you know, it's the you don't know what you don't know thing. Yeah. But also, I think that sometimes it happens. I know that I'm guilty of teaching in this way. Mm -hmm. But when you, when some things are obvious to you, you don't include them in the instructions. Oh, that's exactly it. Yeah. Right. So then... As someone who's coming to learn it, you might miss out on those obvious instructions. And I'm trying to be, I try to be better about that. I will also confess, this is like pulling back the curtain on writing craft tutorials. I have been commissioned with creating articles about things that I'm not an expert in because... Me too. Because... You are what what I'm what I'm good at is technical writing surrounding craft. And so that's right. why people would ask me to create something, which means I have to research 
how to do the thing and then show right. it. And you know how to do that. Right. And I and I know it well enough to make it happen, but I might not know a certain step well enough to explain it well. And mm-hmm. if it's if it doesn't feel 100% necessary, I might not include it because I go, well, I'm only including the absolute necessary here. Sometimes that's just a word count issue. Yeah, I think sort of along the same vein, and I think I've said this before, that I not infrequently have agreed to teach things that I don't know how to do. It's a great way to learn. (laughs) Specifically, Well, because it's a great way to learn and because I am confident in my ability to learn it and to be good at it. Like if I've said yes, it's a thing that I am quite certain that I can do. Yes. And then I'm approaching it with those beginner questions. Yes. Which often really helps sort that out. And so I have many times pitched tutorial ideas for things that I did not know how to do. Mm-hmm. I have done that. Specifically <laughs> because I want to learn them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because I've got an idea and I know that this is how to get to there. But not knowing how to do it, I, I feel like it's sort of one of those things where like, if you don't know, you have the audacity to think it will be fine. Uh-huh. And because you do, it is. Yes. This is yeah. not in the category of, I wish that I'd known this before, mm-hmm. uh, and now I know better. But I will say, I did recently propose an idea for uh, making, it was for elementary student, age students to be able to make a paper mache periscope that looks like an ostrich. Because why wouldn't you? <laughs> it all went together with a thing, but like making a periscope is there's, you know, scientific things, you it's it's simple, but it yeah. you you have to get some angles correct. You have to have and then it has to all be in this case it had to be in tubes that I was then going to cover with paper mache. Right. Um and I I proposed it without knowing if it was going to work or not. I assumed that I could make it work, but I didn't 100% know. Guess what? It worked pretty much. It was it was it worked well enough for what what the goal was, yeah. you know? And um yeah, so sometimes I think it happens. that happens a lot. Yeah. Because almost never if I'm pitching something to like a publication, have I done the thing because I don't have the yeah. time to waste exactly to do work that isn't going to do anything exactly, and so yeah, I think that's normal. Yeah, um, but when I was thinking about this topic specifically, the thing that came to mind was like the the little tiny thing. Yes, that. <laughs> If you happen to be self-taught, you just might not ever pick up until you see someone else doing it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh. And my specific one of these is, you know how when you're using a serger and like you continue 
chaining off yes. the end for a little while. Yes. It's been a long time since I used a serger. So I'm just going to, but I. But you yes, know what it looks I, like. I remember this process. Yes. And it never occurred to me that I should be doing something other than cutting it off. Aha. Uh-huh. And I then saw someone, I want to say it was like at Craftcation or something, uh-huh. um, who was using a darning needle to just loop that those few chain stitches back under the surge stitches. And I was looking <laughs> around like, uh, excuse me? <laughs> like, you mean that didn't need to slowly come undone? The, uh, over years, I could have just done that? That one anyway. quick thing. So, yeah, I, I have not personally ha- owned a serger. My mom used to. She actually mm-hmm. had, she owned two uh, over the course of time, and I don't think either of them are still here. But I remember when she got her second one, it came with a free class at the place that it came from, and she chose to send me instead because she had already mm. been using a serger for a while. So she said, you go take this class. And I feel like I kind of remember someone showing that step that feels familiar but it has been oh (laughs) it's it's probably been over 15 years since I've used a serger and I mean it's one of those things that once you know it you're like oh of course yeah that I like weaving in ends and knitting oh of course like that is what you do with this excess but it really blew my mind i kind of i actually similar note i felt that way when i uh i watched a i like i took an online quilting class Mm -hmm. and when i when they were burying the threads from the quilting the first time that i saw that i was like wait, what? I never, I was like, oh, that's, that's what you're doing. Okay, then. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you should probably explain that because I imagine there are several people listening who are going, wait, you're doing what? what? Yeah, again, (laughs) I, I don't do this very often. So I, I would have to get, I would have to have a refresher on it before I would do this actively. But basically, like, you know, when you're quilting something and you are starting, like, in the middle of a quilt with your quilting, you're going to have threads on the top and the bottom. So you don't want Mm -hmm. just those threads, you know, loose. You don't want to just finish things off uh, with, like, backstitching or anything. So you literally are taking those threads and you bring them down to the bottom you deal with them there correct am i am i remembering this accurately um i only have done it in hand quilting um though i i assume that you would be doing a similar thing 
no matter where because you would just leave yeah a tail and then bring it in but in hand quilting specifically when knotting off the end of a length of thread you uh like you would you then take that end and pull it back through the fabric yes but so it's so it pops into the center yeah. of the quilt and then you know you sort of yeah move it around a bit to and then get it's all... um all of the threads right back in place but it's it's very secure and it takes a little pulling yes. to do it um but once it's there it buries that knot and the tail of the yeah, thread. Yeah, so, you know, you've, you've pulled... Uh, in the center. Yeah. Like, in the quilted right. part. And, in fact, a, like, burying a knot or hiding a, a knot that way, that, that works in a lot of cases where you are um, sewing by hand, especially, if you're joining some... So many. Um, and you, you just pop it through the fabric, hopefully not ruining your fabric and you have to have the right weave to make that work the right size knot it's not just yep. you know anything but and a solid wiggle yep exactly get a nice little nice little wiggle yep. in there and you it's just... not a fast jerking thing it is a steady firm pull uh-huh. sort of thing yep and <laughs> and just kind of watching it and working it through i will say I, there's been some times when i've done just a little like just a little jerk i've just like popped it through in the in the oh, right yeah the right circumstance but it's risky you have to you know be careful of that but yeah i that's like i often will make um like drilling a pilot hole almost yes i will take the needle and just stretch out yep exactly just wiggle the needle in the fabric yep pull the knot through Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep yep yeah and people who have no idea what we're talking about i i think this might be one of those things you have to see yeah to make to have it make complete sense. Yeah, um, but but yeah, um, I mean, I've even like I think like that would be a that process of of wiggling your knot through, popping your knot through, and burying the end. Um, you would see that probably with like embroidering doll faces. That would have been a, a, a for sure typical way of doing that because. Um, often you have to do that. Or sewing on children, like, eyes. Yes. Or, and things yes, for exactly. children. You would you would bury both ends. Right. And you so it has to be, because you would do that after you have no access to the back of the fabric. So, yeah, that's how you Yeah. And so in. sometimes you have to do it at an angle and have the needle come out the other side again. Yep. And then <laughs> snip the thread and... Pull it, pull everything back in so that thread goes <laughs> back into the, wow. I like that, that sound was, effect. I, I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> everyone who has misophonia. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yes, if you don't know what we're talking about, do tell us and perhaps we will make a very, oh, that, that would be a really solid ASMR. Yeah. Just the popping yep. of the knots yep. through the... It, mm-hmm. It's right up there um, with, with the sound of a French knot being made. Or a, a colonial oh, knot. Oh, I yeah. feel so soothed. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Similar to the the ends of your threads, 
I just recently learned a way. I've obviously seen this. Like, I've kind of... Under, I've, I knew that this was a thing, and I thought that I understood it, but um, mm-hmm. dealing with ends of yarn when working on crochet, like, when you're joining on a new color, the uh, I just learned a way of wrapping the yarn over, like, your chain stitches that is oh, really yeah. secure. Never, never learned that until, like, like two weeks ago. Oh, that's funny. I that is um, that is a thing that I learned. Oh, who did I learn it from? Oh, Debbie Stoller. Yeah, I um, in one of her crochet books, and then I guess I've seen her do it in person. Yeah, but that that was one of the. Like, changing colors mm-hmm. was one of the things that drove me crazy. Well, because obviously... I wanted really seamless color changes. Yeah. And, and there were techniques for that that... Yeah. All of the... I don't the... know. They broke my brain in a good way. <laughs> All of the ends on, mm-hmm. on something, uh, you know, when you think, like... I never have an end on a crochet project. It... I... Always, always. Yeah, um, because it's maddening. Stitch over it. Right. But also mm-hmm. then, um, and this came out of me actually taking a crafty class, which mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't always, I, I rarely will sit down and like watch an extensive class on anything. I just, that's not my, I, I like to get things in in written yeah. form as much as possible. I don't like video. I want to see it or see it written. Exactly. I want to see a photo or see it written. But I, I don't have time to. It, that, exactly. That's how I, that's how I feel. But it, taking this particular class was, um, it was very helpful because I picked up a number of things. Similarly, this instructor, when ending off a round of crochet, Mm-hmm. Um, the way that she pulled the yarn through and then used that to like connect it to the next stitch to join around seamlessly and then instantly work yes. the end in, I was like, what have I been doing? <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. So basically, and you know, you've got your last like, loop. Like what witchcraft is yeah, this? <laughs> you've got your last loop of crochet. You snip your, your yarn off pull the loop through like so you've just got the yarn end thread your darning needle take that through your last stitch it makes it look like a loop of of stitch because it is and then you just work it in from there so not only does it look beautiful you're taking the time to weave in your end at that moment what what yeah why wouldn't you it was obviously it was mind blowing to me and i will <laughs> It just simplified a process so much. Yeah. Yeah, well, it takes out the fid like the fiddly things that make a project difficult for someone who doesn't do that kind of project all the time. Like it removes it removes some of the questions. Yeah. Just by removing confusing visual cues right and anytime that you can like essentially 
do two things at the same time, like it's going to serve like dual purpose is that's just smart crafting. Well, it's smart and it's also usually more secure. Exactly. Because <laughs> it's incorporated into the actual project yep. instead of being an afterthought. Yep. And like I really appreciate that. Yes. Um another good area to pull in or pull the knots into the center mm -hmm. is if you're doing blanket stitch if you're going to crochet onto something okay like pulling the ends of the knots on the blanket stitch on either end really makes that a nice clean um surface okay that's and a good I, I like that good one to remember yeah and that is if you're crocheting edging on a fabric yeah. blanket yes not <laughs> i have still i have still not done that although it's on my list of things that i really really want to do it just hasn't happened yet. I like to do it on pockets. Yeah. Yeah. That would be like good. Just a little bit of lace. I. Um, I. Or on collars. Okay. I know someone who she uses a um, uh, like perforating rotary blade that makes, you know, just the little slits in your fabric. And she uses that on the edges of her quilts so that then she can blanket stitch and then uh, crochet uh, edges on quilts with that blade oh, um, pre-making the cool. holes, which, um, yeah, saves some which is, effort there. Well, and it saves some friction. It makes it's easier on your hands. It's quite possible like, that she's, yeah, just then like crocheting directly instead of embroidering the blanket stitch on yeah. first. She's just able to crochet And I suspect it. that yeah. that is what's happening, which makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Um, in similarly, when I was learning how to make bobbin lace, one of the first steps that I learned that I would later forget and then relearn <laughs> was that, um, you should pre, it's called pre-pricking your patterns. Uh -huh. And basically you have a little uh it's called a needle vice oh um that is just a, a handle yeah. on a needle yeah that you poke all of the places that your pins for your lace are going to be on or within the pattern because not having that friction of making a new hole keeps things more precise and makes the tension easier and also feels better on your hands interesting. if you're placing like 2,000 pins in a row. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. That makes sense though. It is. Yep. Then I forgot about it and then I was like, eh, that doesn't really need to be done. And then I relearned why. Yep. That, and that's, that's the thing with a lot of these is like you just, a lot of them you don't just get there naturally. It is one, it's a thing that someone has to tell you to do because, um, because who would have thought? <laughs> right. Well, it's like how I did not know how to correctly do satin stitch until I was teaching someone else uh -huh. who did the thing naturally. And I went, 
Oh. I'm still gonna I'm still gonna say here both the way that you were doing it and the way that your friend uh was yes. doing it both are correct. They are just different versions. So, you they know, they are both correct. The the way that my friend was doing it was significant it's significantly less bulky. Yeah. And so it yeah, uh, it lays nicer yeah. and it doesn't make me mad. <laughs> and that's what you want. That's what you want. I I really don't like satin stitch. See, and so I feel the same way about stem stitch. Which Ooh, I like stem stitch. And see, th- when I got started, I was thoroughly confused between stem stitch and outline stitch because okay. Essentially, they're the same, but they are really are not. And right, let me just say, <laughs> Mary Corbett of Needle and Thread very kindly put me in my place. Um, and but like took the time because here's what was happening for me: I could not get it to lay nice, uh, mm-hmm. and. So what I started doing, which also there is a version, it is, you know, it's still a, a valid stitch version where I was taking and I was working it more like back stitch because I found that I could get it to look oh, nicer okay. that way. So I would, I would make a stitch, come out like away from the stitch and then go back down next to the first stitch. Because if you're unfamiliar with uh, these embroidery stitches, both stem stitch and outline stitch kind of have like these like half semi half overlapping stitches next to each other to make a line. I just could not get it to to play nice with me, but the difference between the two. And again, had I probably had, I paid attention to um, diagrams of the stitches. Again, we, you know, (laughs) we just in our, in our last half stitch episode, we talked about, um, old embroidery or old craft books and how they actually a lot of times have more helpful um, diagrams and, yeah. and whatnot. But the biggest difference between these two is one, you work with the thread above your line of stitching and the other, you work with it below your line of stitching. But as Mary Corbett yep. pointed out, it makes a difference based on the twist of your thread and yeah, they twist in different directions. They, if they, yep. So if you have, if you're working with one kind of thread and you're trying to use the wrong kind of stitch, it will be more difficult. It's just how it is. So, had it's true, and yeah, you're right that they do look almost like the operation for doing them is almost identical, yeah. and sometimes they're visually almost identical depending uh-huh. on what it is that you're using them for yes but it is there's a significant difference if you're doing a lot of one thing yeah on something flat yeah with very little additional distraction yeah yeah anyway it was like that was one of those moments where i was like wait a minute what's happening with this stitch so yeah I think that is one where I had to go to my older 
uh, stitching dictionaries and such because I just, because modern, the modern style of illustration and step out photos doesn't necessarily give you the information that you need. Yeah. I think also you don't see outline stitch used as much anymore. No. And I I think probably because it's harder to explain. Could be. Could be. It could also be that the the twist of threads is more in favor of stem stitch now. That like what is commonly used uh either oh. an S twist or a Z twist. Now we get into some we're getting very technical on some of these things, but that's okay. We're very serious yeah. about this. Well, story. if you do them right next to each other, they look like a braid. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. If you do them literally up against each yeah. other. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Just in case you ever need to do some hair. Yeah. But they look like a very neat braid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but yeah. I do think you're right. I think that the the twisting of the usually used skeins of like six yeah uh strand embroidery floss does lend itself better to stem stitch yes. yeah but uh what is it um pearl cotton yeah i think lends itself better to outline stitch but it's been a while yeah i i don't think that i've Again, I still, even though I know better now, I still don't generally choose to use either of those stitches. <laughs> so no, it's been a while, since, I, been a while uh, since I've tried that with, with pearl cotton. I but, like a good you know. split stitch. Interesting. That is my go-to for a chunky solid line. Okay. Interesting. Yep. But only if I have used an even number of strands of embroidery floss. Okay, now see, here's here's where we get into something because <laughs> I when I learned that you could that that one technique for doing split stitch is actually to have and, and this is now how I teach split stitch. If you have an odd number of strands you actually have the opportunity to split through one of those strands and have it have your line be more solid than if you might end up between two true. strands. So, yeah. yeah. That is true. And I don't usually do it that way because I find the um, even split to be satisfying. But yeah. you're completely right. That makes all the sense in the world if the focus is making that line as yeah. because, complete as possible. Because again, yeah, like, that doesn't bother your, me. Your, um, your even split will give you the look of a braid a little bit more, and which in that case, I tend to go for uh, chain stitch. Different look, yeah, but I don't, you know, I, I've become a, a big chain stitch fan. I like chain stitch in certain in certain things yeah. it, it it depends on if i'm going for a retro look or not mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because chain stitch reminds me of like old letter jackets yes. and stuff yeah um of which i had one 
I because also did. Uh, well, mine huh? was not probably uh, mine was not like like antique, but I, I a, a friend gave me theirs because I. Oh no! I mean, I had one because I was varsity. Oh, yeah, athlete. see, I wasn't an athlete. <laughs> no, no, I was uh, homeschooled no, was... and not an athlete, so that wasn't going to happen. So someone just gave me theirs. They didn't want it anymore. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, yeah, it. It's funny that when I say that now to people, they look at me like I have three heads <laughs> and like, I don't know, guys, I was a uh, skilled competitive athlete for a long time. <laughs> yep. I, I may not look like I have hand-eye coordination, but I for sure... Well, I did gymnastics for 15 years, and I ran track, specifically hurdles, and that's definitely the, that's the did impressive varsity one. swimming and diving. I think the the hurdles is the most impressive because um, it is real easy to overthink that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and fall on your face. I was also thinking like like you're not a you're not a very large like a very tall person. No, but I can jump high. There you go. So, but you're not supposed to in hurdles. Like they are adjustable. Okay. Okay. Um. So you're supposed to go over them as high as you can, but it needs to be at a height reasonable for yes. okay your um your personal okay. height and stride. Okay. Although most of the time we didn't bother to change them <laughs> because. Between races, it yes. just didn't make sense yeah. uh, because we were lazy. <laughs> and so I often ended up running excessively high hurdles, which slows you down when you're jumping up, yeah. not forward. Yeah. But whatever. It was fun. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. It's good to know how to tuck and roll when you do that <laughs> particular sport. See, things that I didn't know, but now I do. Yeah, I don't recommend. Oh gosh, it would be a disaster if I did it. Now. Oh, yeah, no, I would. That's no, that's not going to happen. I don't think my legs do that anymore. Listen, I'm just trying to like climb stairs now without hurting myself because that's yeah. the age I'd I I'd like am. to not pull a hamstring, yeah. which I do if I look at it wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, wow, that went side quest. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. That was that was that was good. That was good. Um, yes. The... Yeah, I think you know, but this is this is the point of of digging into these topics and seeing where they goes because you might learn something new, whether it be um, how <laughs> to uh, finish the chain stitching on your surging, or how to jump a hurdle. Like, it, you never know. Well, it's more how you don't die if you fail to jump the hurdle. That's the tuck and roll. See, how to not die in any circumstance, always helpful. Tucking and rolling is almost always the answer for that. Okay. I mean, in one sense, you could see, like, you kind of were tucking and rolling that that surged chain stitch, really. Exactly. Yeah. That is precisely what was happening. Yeah. And I feel like that's what's happening when you pull the knots yep. through, like tuck and roll, all of the things. And we have brought it full circle, just like that crochet 
project. Exactly. Seamless. Seamless finishing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Um, Okay. Yeah. I I think we better end it there. I don't think we're going to do better. Uh, If you listeners have any, like you wish you'd known tips and tricks to share with the rest of us, do tell us because we want to know and we want to tell other people. Yeah, I think this is... And we want to credit you for yes, it. Yes, and I think this this also could be a, a good um, a, a good little tip box we could put up like on Instagram. So watch for that. Be sure you're you're following us because I think that this would be a good a good thing to to share that way. We'll work on oh, that. Oh yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, so definitely send them to us so we have more than just what we yes. said here. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that, that'll be more helpful. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note. Yes. Thanks for listening to the Very Serious Crafts podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Serious Crafts and on Facebook at Very Serious Crafts. You can also find show notes and all things Very Serious Crafts at VerySeriousCrafts.com. And finally, if you're a fan of the Very Serious Crafts podcast, or maybe just talking and rolling, (laughs) please leave us a five-star review on whichever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Good ratings help us show up in recommendations, which helps more people who love crafting find us. That's right. And that is like the perfect way to weave in all the ends of this episode. Oh boy. There we are. Yep. I I knew that we had to have one. Yeah. And I feel like I need to hit the dad joke alarm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think we should have a dad joke alarm. <laughs> like a sound effect. Sound effect. Dad joke! Yeah. Like, like that wasn't very punny. Except that it was. So that's confusing. All right. We better sign off. <laughs> yeah, we got to go. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>